Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure sellers. I've got a thing on the banner, which I try and hide these days above my head, which says for British sellers. But the truth is, actually, what we're talking about today and most of what we talk about is ba- is valid for people based in North America, Australia, or for that matter, in India or, or Germany or wherever, really. This is pretty international stuff. So we're talking to Neil Curran of Regional Express. They are one-stop shop for e-commerce sellers for door-to-door logistics into Europe, including VAT, warehousing, and even fulfillment these days. So, Neil, welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming back. No, thank you for thank you for having me back. Appreciate it. No problem. It's, it's always useful to talk through logistics. It's one of those subjects that if you want to sell something, you're going to sell Facebook ads or TikTok ads or whatever, because everyone loves marketing. But logistics is, I believe, where the profit gets made or indeed lost because yeah. it's one of your big costs. And if you get it wrong and stuff takes ages to travel across the world or is even blocked from entering a country, you kind of had it. And that's a lot of lost revenue. So I'd urge anyone to take the logistics really seriously if you're serious about your business. So having given you that lecture, tell me about what's happening. We're in Q4 now. We're coming towards the tail end of November. By the time somebody hears this, it may be later. But just tell me quick check on the current situation for logistics. What's going on in the world of logistics and shipping specifically into UK or EU from out of that region? Yes. Yeah, so at the moment, we're obviously in Q4, which is obviously peak. And shipping out of Far East, whether by air, whether by ocean, it's extremely sort of difficult at the moment. There's lower sort of volumes of flights from an air perspective, obviously, because of COVID, there's fewer people moving around the world, which means there's less space on the aircraft for freight, which is driving up the air rates quite considerably. And then again, from an ocean perspective as well, similar situation, carriers have sort of cancelled several sailings over the last few months, which has resulted in less space, less movement of goods from the Far East, which again has driven up rates by ocean considerably. And, and we're looking at very, very high numbers at the moment for the containers out of China. I think it's been a, a bit of a theme during this, I don't know, since about March 2020, I guess, the, the sort of yeah. when the horror show started, the air freight capacity has been massively reduced because obviously about what half depending on who you talk to, of the air freight in the world is carried on passenger aircraft. A lot of those are grounded, of course. Weirdly enough, I spoke to a pilot today. He's actually managed to keep his job, but he is, strangely enough, considering selling on e-commerce as a client of mine. So that that's a very reduced area of, of capacity. But tell me about the sea freight. That sounds like that's also been hit. So at the moment, it, it's quite tough. It's quite challenging to sort of get a booking to um, get space on a the vessel at the moment just because the volume that needs to move exceeds the available space on the, the vessels that are operating because of because of the demand and the, the lack of space inevitably um, it means the, the rates are driven up for that available space so we're, we're looking at, at rates at the moment that were sort of that are four or five times higher than they were at the start of the year 
Wow, four to five times higher. That's kind of a scary number. So what's your advice to people then? Should they just wait until Q1 before they bother restocking items now? Or what What would you say is the way to deal with this? It, it's a very difficult situation for the seller because obviously the last thing the seller wants to do is run out of stock. Because if they've got no stock, they're not making any money. So they're going to have to weigh that up with the against the sort of current freight rates to see if it is still viable for them to ship. We don't at the moment know if and when the rates are going to reduce. I mean, obviously, early next year as well, we have Chinese New Year, which inevitably year on year, that sort of does drive up rates a little bit as well. So, yeah, it, it's it's a commercial decision that needs to be made by the seller, um, whether it's cost effective for them to to sort of move freight in at those higher rates. Obviously, companies such as ourselves, we're here to help. You know, we, we can guide sellers through that process, help them decide whether it is you know, viable for them to continue or, or maybe look at other options as well. You know, we, we have nowadays potentially slower options, rail, sorry, not slower options. We have quicker options, sorry, rail, um, rail service, which is obviously quicker than an ocean. We also have a sort of trucking service as well, believe it or not, China to the Baltic region of Europe. From there, we can sort of distribute to the rest of Europe. So there's there's other options compared to ocean freight. Some maybe more viable, some less viable. But again, that's, that's something we can help and guide the seller with. Okay, so tell me about this. When you say trucking service, China to the Baltics, is that basically by rail to the Baltics, and then it goes by whatever mode, or what, how does that work? Uh, no, so so we have a rail option, which is obviously yeah, containerized freight going on a rail service we have within our group as well just recently released a, a trucking service from shenzhen in china all the way to vilnius in lithuania from there it's then sort of customs cleared and then distributed around europe to the final final location wow so you literally get some poor person to drive all the way across asia and yes. europe that's amazing that sounds like a sort of trip of a lifetime that you do in a motorbike yeah. once so that's got to be what seven thousand miles or something like that it, it, it's a long way i yeah. mean I, I i remember when i went backpacking i i went from the uk to sort of vietnam by land so i i know wow. i i know the, the journey very well and it's yeah a very long journey that's for sure Wow, good for you. That's quite the epic journey. So, yeah, that, I mean, the chance I'd be in railway was built, I suppose, in what, the 1890s. And, and I guess that's, it's got to be, you know, by far the longest stretch of railway in the world. Even if you include America, it makes America look quite small, I guess, because America's, yeah. what, 3,000 miles across. This is like double that. So, yeah, okay. Well, that's amazing that that exists. But I mean, okay, so there are other options. And how does the price of rail and trucking, amazingly, compared to air freight and, and sea freight? Sort of give me an, an example of, or an idea of how that works so usually movement by rail or truck you'd find it sort of the middle ground between the ocean and air freight rates however obviously with ocean freight rates sort of rapidly going up at the moment you know rail is now obviously in a similar format as well um, there's obviously you can obviously move less containers by rail you know where you've got your huge sort of you know 15 20 000 TEU vessels um, that can take thousands and thousands of containers. Obviously, rail is heavily restricted and limited in that regard still. And as space on vessels becomes less freely available, then obviously rail services, et cetera, become clogged up as well. So all in all, it sort of generally creates the perfect storm and it, it has a knock-on effect across the board, especially in peak, obviously, where, where space is at a premium and everyone wants their stock here now. 
Yeah. Um, so, not, not, <laughs> Everyone wants everything yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting, though, that, that that middle ground. I mean, what seems to happen is things going sort of weird waves because I was spoken to a, a freight forwarder back in maybe it's April, and he was saying that air freight had tripled in cost. So he's an American based in China, and and mm. air freight had tripled in cost. So everyone was putting things on the sea. Maybe that's now mm. pushed through the system so that the sea freight is completely full. Now it moves over to rail, and then rail will get full. But it's sort of seeing where that that wave of demand is going, where it's found a, a home, if you like, and getting in there i guess before everyone else does so rail i guess is just conceptually less familiar or trucking things across asia so maybe that's somewhere to to investigate for for people if they're trying to find that middle ground ready so that's quite mind-blowing <laughs> the, the lengths one has to go to the other thing that strikes me and tell me what your thoughts are about this you're obviously at the sharp end of trying to deliver goods for people it strikes me that that's even more of a reason why if it's affordable for sellers to get their inventory in early such that they're not having to suddenly restock at a peak period where it's extremely expensive that again that pushes me towards thinking getting in several months worth of stock at a time and thus being able to time the freight markets a bit is that something you see your bigger customers try to do or is it just a nice idea no, I, I think every year that we've been involved with sort of Amazon and the e-commerce industry, we, that, that peak seems to come earlier. So it is obviously people learning, people trying to get stock in before September, October, um, November, when inevitably those rates are pushed up and space sort of becomes less freely available. I mean, Regional Express, for example, we actually saw an incredible peak in July and August this year. And historically, if you look back, that's generally sort of one or two of our quieter months in the year. But the, the volume of, of sort of imports freight that we we moved in from the Far East in July and August was incredible. Actually, more than, than we've moved in in November, believe it or not. So it's I think that showed possibly because of COVID and everyone shopping online, people needed to get stock in earlier. But yeah, I think that just shows a shift in people's sort of experiences and understanding in a market interesting so basically again in terms of your freight costs the earlier you get it moved the better and then of course you've got to deal with your warehousing costs which is going to be higher because it's there for months so yeah difficult i mean there's no magic bullet for all this stuff but interesting to, to talk about it from multiple perspectives yours of course being right at the front line there so so let's let's just drill out. Let's sort of zoom out rather from the immediate Q4 panic, panic. There's so much demand, the capacity is at constraint. But if we're trying to follow basic principles, I mean, one of which we've already stumbled across, I guess, which is shop early, move stuff early if you can to avoid the Q4 peak. Now it's actually like a Q3 peak, and maybe it's going to become a Q2 peak. What are the other basic principles we need to follow if we're importing into the UK from outside Europe that we should be aware of? I mean, some some of the basics, and obviously, again, this sort of does sort of boil down to cost to a degree. Make sure you have your right tariff classifications for your products. It's, it's very important you understand your sort of tariff classification, what code relates to your product to ensure that you are paying the correct amount of import duty. You don't want to under-declare because if you, you could end up in customs bad books and end up with, you know, fines later payments, et cetera, et cetera. And again, by the same token, you certainly don't want to be overpaying on your duty because that's just money straight off your bottom line. That makes sense. Yeah. Overpaying the government. They probably won't be in such a rush to give you money back if you've overpaid or at all compared to if you're underpaid. Yeah. Okay. So what are the things that we need to be getting right? 
I, I think again, just obviously we touch upon it all the time, but just get your timings right. There's nothing worse than having to to pay for a premium service or, or potentially air freight stock when you didn't have to at a higher rate in ocean, for example, because you're just losing money, you're just throwing money away. So planning, planning is key. Make sure you understand your manufacturer's timelines, you know, when they can have your stock ready, when you can get it away. And then again, by the same token, when you get it here, make sure you're doing it efficiently. Make sure you're using the right provider who can sort of store that store that freight for you at a cost-effective rate or rework it, deliver it for the final mile in a sort of cost-effective and timely manner because the last thing you want to be doing is is paying premiums throughout the supply chain because you're you're late or you've been let down by someone and, and you need to sort of get that stock somewhere quickly. It strikes me that everyone obsesses about the final mile problem and, and understandably so. It's very difficult. And I know that even Amazon, you know, struggles with that occasionally. That's one of the reasons why I suppose it took them years to promise one day shipping across the US for prime customers. I believe that's now in place. So I'm not 100% convinced this for every single place in the States. But the other thing that strikes me is not so much the final mile as that final in the UK, because it's a fairly small country, that final 200 miles because if your stock is in china then getting it to the uk is a total nightmare whereas if it's in a, a third-party warehouse getting it into amazon alive within a week maybe in q4 to even three weeks seems a lot more doable to me so so when it comes to flexibility and being able to you know flex the amount of stock you've got available in china uh, and not in china in, in fba it strikes me that that extra warehousing cost in the uk is becoming more and more important to be willing to pay that because it means you don't go out of stock. I mean, what's your experience of that developing over the last few years? Yeah, we, we've seen a huge increase in a sort of business opportunities whereby yet sellers want to send over large volume of stock. So that is way above their allocation for Amazon, the unit count they're allowed to store there. And, and the reason for that is, yes, well, it's, you know, it's going to cost a bit more off the bat for ocean freight. Ultimately, it's not costing more because the price per unit is going to be less because you're shipping more. Yes, you will have a bit of UK storage from a third party while they're holding your stock before they send it into Amazon. But end of the day, that is likely to be more cost effective than sending another international shipment. It's going to take less of your time as well, which is obviously a, a cost factor as well. And then the beauty of it is you can have it into an Amazon fulfillment center within 48 hours. There's no need to go through customs formalities, extra paperwork, quite simply just call it forward from the warehouse. Thousand units, you know, can be delivered within a, within 48 hours rather than seven days for air freight, 40 days for ocean freight. It's, it's a no brainer, really, if you've got the capital to be able to do that. Yeah, and I guess that capital is always the limiting factor, and of course, and I'm not sort of pretending otherwise, but nevertheless, if you can possibly push really hard and, and think that through, I think it comes down to that old thing, which we, we keep, we've discussed so many, many times amongst the, the sellers in the groups that I'm a part of and the ones that I run now. It just comes down to the same thing, which is you're either going to be overstocked or understocked. And obviously, if, if you're overstocked, then you're tying up capital and, and you know, you've got to have the capital. And I, I guess I get that getting loans is hard, getting equity investments hard. It is hard. But going understocked is just, 
it, 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 you can really underestimate, I think, just how much money that costs you in any given year. It's like the fish that got away, isn't it? And if you come in to sell your business, I know that I talk to FBA business brokers all the time. They're like, yeah, we cannot, or people who are even acquiring directly, like they, it doesn't matter if they could have made a million dollars this year on one product line if they'd been in stock. If they're in stock for a quarter of that and made 200,000, that is the value we're going to put on the business or you know, on the profit on that. And so, yeah, I, I think it's it's banging the same drum, right? It's timing, 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 stock, stock, stock. It's it's a lot of the same basic stuff. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a lot of boring, stuff because it's easy to say and hard to do but i still think it's important so so how does this relate to the current situation and we say current i mean depends when you listen to this what that means because it's varying a lot but when you i suppose covid and therefore air freight restrictions on the one hand and on the other hand massively increased demand how do you think we need to sort of think about logistics in the context of that sort of world i i I think from my point of view i i would encourage sellers just to think about the volumes they are looking to move and look at all modes available to them don't don't jump into anything speak to someone first get pricing for different scenarios timings etc because you don't want to be paying premiums if you don't have to you also don't want stock held somewhere that it doesn't need to be held and at the moment yeah the, the freight industry is in a in a bit of a hole especially in the uk so just be careful. You don't want stock sat around. Obviously, there's companies such as ourselves who would ensure you don't. You know, we move things quickly off port, et cetera, et cetera, to the best of our ability. So lots of basics we've revisited today. I think nothing new under the sun in some ways, but obviously the reality that you're seeing in front of you is pretty sobering and and thus forces us to take these basic principles a bit more seriously, perhaps than we've been had the luxury we've had before. So could you summarize what you think are the best practices when it comes to shifting stuff across the world into UK or Europe? I think the number one sort of factor and the best thing for all sellers in, in any sort of business environment is understand your costs so before you do give a company to go ahead to get your goods from a to b make sure you understand their charges make sure you understand what you'll be paying make sure there's no hidden extras and and make sure those rates are current as well because in the current environment rates are fluctuating and changing on a weekly basis whereas before you know rates generally you could hold for a month a quarter some in some instances that's not the case and they're changing on a sort of per sailing basis at the moment. So a quote you had two weeks ago might not be valid tomorrow. So make sure when you do come to ship, you have a current quote, you know exactly what your your cost implications are. Because as I say, it can get, the rates are getting quite big and that could obviously have a huge impact on your business and what you're able to sell your products for going forward and then again just make sure you understand your product you understand the hs classification from the customs perspective so that you are paying the right amount of duties because the last thing you want is any sort of unnecessary fees or sort of time spent sort of questioning or querying audits at a later date yeah so i guess a lot of it comes down to attention to detail really and and being very very aware of the cost implication of every single line item either on a quote from a freight forwarder or on your own sort of tax side as well so the boring old detail really isn't it but when as we've said before it is yeah it's not boring when it falls to your bottom line as opposed to going Mm. to the government in tax i mean that's somewhat more exciting plus if you think about it and i would encourage everyone to to think about it in the positive sense that for every say hundred thousand dollars that you can save or even ten thousand should we say 
per year in that goes to your profit, you can multiply that by two and a half to these days, maybe more like three in terms of the value of your business, even if you don't choose to sell it. And a lot of people will choose to sell it in future years. And suddenly that $10,000 you save by, you know, saving a few hundred dollars a, a month adds $30,000 to your net worth. And I think that's actually rather than, well, you know, quite a positive way of looking at it. Anything you yeah. save from the government or the freight, freight services is going to go to your bottom line and make you richer. So that's the way I would put this. So Neil, great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about this stuff. If people want to get in touch with you and, and get an opinion or, or book you for services, how do they get hold of you? Yes. Yeah, so just drop me a line at neil, N-E-I-L, at regionalexpress.co.uk or give me a call on 01794 516 Yeah, that's nice. it. I like the fact that somebody can pick the phone up and call you. I mean, that's actually often, especially if you're, you're trying to get your head around something like if you're trying to get trucking goods across from China to the, the Baltics. That sounds new to me. So I want to just make sure I haven't misunderstood what's going on. And um, just remind us what it is you guys do. So obviously your core business is, is international freight forwarding, but you've got a few other things you tack on. Just remind me what you do there as well. Yeah. So in addition to our core business, we've built a sort of in-house one-stop shop, or that's what we like to call it anyway, to help out of region and and domestic sellers expand to the European marketplaces. So we offer VAT registration and VAT filing services, um, warehousing and fulfillment, as well as sort of prep and return services. So anything a seller will need here in the UK or EU. Yeah, and it's nice one-stop services. They can end up being expensive if you really work on a big scale, but if it's not a significant part of your business, but significant enough that you're needing to get it taken seriously, then having somebody like that is, is a very valuable thing. So worth a phone call, I would suggest to anyone who's who's based in the States and doing substantial business in the UK or Europe, but not you know your whole business. So Neil, just remains for me to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk us through the complications and the joys of logistics for Amazon sellers. No, thank you very much for having me again. Thank you. Cheers, Neil. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.